From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily, where every time we record this podcast, we're breaking down a question, event, news, or trend having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Corella. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me today, uh, after we previewed the Mavs 130-62 to route of the Pelicans, we're ready to do the same thing for their inevitable game against the Bucks tonight. It is Isaac Harris. Isaac, a.k.a. Nostradamus, how are you feeling after nailing your prediction of Mavs Pelicans earlier this week? <laughs> I'm feeling uh, great. I actually, I just hope that we don't jinx it at this point because, yeah, the last game we did preview, uh, then it didn't happen. So today we're going to talk about the Bucks, but and we'll talk about the Mavs in this. Th- they're streaking. We're we're talking about a, a win streak Mavs team right now. So uh, it's pretty exciting time to be a Mavericks fan. Yeah, it's uh, we're 15 days into 2021, and the Mavs have only lost I think one time all year. So uh, maybe 2021 will be their year. Who knows? But, of course, the Mavs game against the Pelicans was postponed uh, earlier this week. They were supposed to play on Monday. I have no idea when they're actually going to play that game. The NBA built in a uh, a little period in between the first and second halves of the schedule, and so maybe that's when it will happen. If you've been following the news lately, um, the NBA news at least, you know that a lot of other games have been postponed too. In fact, I think two straight Phoenix Suns games have been postponed. So um, you're going to have to be flexible this year and uh, you're going to have to be able to play whenever. So the Mavs are in Milwaukee though. They were in Charlotte the other day. They stomped out the Hornets. KP made his debut. We'll hit on that a little bit as well, I'm sure. Um, and then, of course, tonight, national TV, baby. It's Luca versus Giannis. It's KP versus Chris Middleton. It's Rick Carlisle versus Coach Bud. It's Tim Hardaway Jr. against Drew Holiday. It's Willie Cauley-Stein against Brooke Lopez. How, how far down this can we go, Isaac? I'm ready for Bryn Forbes versus Trey Burke. All right, it's Bryn Forbes versus Trey Burke. Uh, if you look at the Bucks' record, they're 8-4. and four thinking, man, they've won like 75 games each of the last two years. What's wrong with them? Well, they got off to kind of a slow start. So remember in the preseason, the Mavs like stomped them twice. And then I, if yeah. I remember right, the Bucks went to New Orleans after that and got beat down pretty good by the Pelicans. Uh, so it took them a little while to come out of the gates, but they're on a three-game win streak, just like the Mavs are on a four-game win streak. And the Bucs, uh, they score 118 points per 100 possessions. Isaac. So I, I don't know how much Bucks basketball you've watched this year, but the numbers are insane. The defense obviously is their defense is incredible. Their offense is humming. They added Drew Holiday. They seem really, really good. Chris Middleton's numbers are like straight out of a video game. Where is your head at ahead of this game without jinxing it and making sure that it doesn't happen? Well, no, yeah. I mean, you you said it about the Bucks right now. You know, last year they were top ten in defense and offense and you know, right now, this is where they're at. You know, I think they're, they are number one in offense. I think they're seventh, I think, at defense rating. 
uh, in the league. So they're a premier team. You look across though to Dallas, uh, you know, Dallas is top, I think top three, maybe second in defensive rating, you know, that they're top five, uh, for sure. But yeah, Bobby said second in, uh, which is crazy to think about this Mavericks team being a, uh, yeah, top five defense. They're 16th in offense, I think, at the moment, but KP factors a lot into that too. So I, I think we have to, you know, wait a little bit on that. But I think this is two of the best teams in the league when they're fully healthy. And, you know, the, the big elephant in the room, you know, especially for Dallas is, you know, last night, Thursday night, the latest uh, NBA official injury report, you know, had the five guys that Dallas was missing, you know, on Wednesday for against Charlotte, those five guys, uh, you know, being out against Milwaukee. So Dallas is definitely shorthanded, but, you know, it's, it's the team that played on Wednesday and KP and Lucas playing, you know, like you said, you know, Mavericks beat the Bucks, you know, twice in the preseason. Now they were kind of going through their own kind of the Giannis extension stuff, I think was like hovering over that team at that moment. And, you know, he had still not committed to that since then he has. So, you know, I think for them, whether that contributed to them, their slow start or not, now they've kind of turned the page on that and they're humming. I mean, I think that they've won six out of the last seven games. They've won the last uh, three games, I think. And so, you know, for the Mavericks won in their last four games, you kind of got two really hot teams facing off on primetime television. I wonder who's going to call the game tonight for ESPN. Jeff Van Gundy, Ooh. Chris. What's Chris the, well, okay, so it, it's it's clearly the first half of a doubleheader, right? Do you Ooh, know yeah, what the true. second? Oh, the second leg is Lakers Pelicans. So, do you think the A team will be on Luka Giannis, or are they going to save it for? No, they're going to save it for LeBron. For LeBron versus Lonzo Ball. Zion. <laughs> Zion's not playing. Oh, is he not? Okay. Yeah, okay. he's out for health and safety protocols. So that's another thing too, man. I mean, like yeah. every single game you have to look at the injury report. It's crazy. Um, okay. So the Mavs have had some success against the Bucks. Like we said, they beat them twice in the preseason. Last season, they beat them both times they played. The year before that, I don't remember. I think they might have beat them once. I'm not sure, but I know last year they swept them. And then they beat him twice in the preseason. So there's a little bit of Mavs mojo building against Milwaukee. However, no Dorian Finney-Smith, who's been kind of like the primary Giannis defender for the last couple of years. And no Maxi Kleba as well, who has guarded Giannis for stretches. And uh, Maxi seems like a really kind of intriguing Giannis defender because he's tall and big and strong, just like Giannis. And he's quick, just like Giannis too. Uh, Dorian, meanwhile, very long and just can kind of like annoy him, has, has done a really good job of defending Giannis throughout his career. But without both of those guys, yesterday on Numbers on the Boards, I asked Skin, and he came up with a kind of an interesting answer. And I don't know if you've listened. I mean, I know that you have listened, obviously, but pretend like you haven't listened yet, Isaac. Who do you think, you know, who's guarding Giannis for the Mavs yeah. tonight? Like, what, what, is the, what is their best option for defending him? I think it's... <laughs> I mean, you might think this is uh, weird or crazy, but I think it's multiple people slash zone. I think that I think that's okay. the route that you, you in a game to where you're missing, you know, Maxi and Dorian. I think it's more of that. I mean, I think Awandu will probably get to start. You might see some James Johnson minutes on him, but I mean, Willie's length on him. But I think it's going to be a collective effort, and I think you could see Dallas entertain some zone more than they normally do 
Skin's answer was Willie Cauley Stein. Just like oh. full stop. And I was like, well, that is really interesting because Willie is tall and long like Maxie. He's not quite as like strong. I mean, Maxie's kind of built like a truck the same way that Giannis is. But Willie is like stronger than he looks. Very athletic yeah. guy too. And uh, the, the trick is, you know, can he defend Giannis without getting in a bunch of foul trouble? Because Giannis initiates a ton of contact. And so if you're not like rock solid, then you'll get called for the foul. But either way, I mean, you're, you're kind of you're right no matter what. in that even if they're not playing like a straight up, like a 2-3 zone or whatever, whenever the Mavs play the Bucks, and a lot of other teams do this too, but Giannis gets a rebound and he wants to go coast to coast. You're going to see all five guys bust their butt to get back on defense and basically just stand there with their arms outstretched. Like, it's kind of like a Stan Van Gundy, like, build an effing wall thing. Like, yeah. they just you, – you have to get back and just prevent him from taking five steps and getting a layup. Like, it really is it's, – it's, it's a very unique set of challenges whenever you face Giannis. And you can't overload on him too much because even though the Bucks shooting is kind of, you know, come and gone during the playoffs, Chris Middleton's – this year is just, I mean, he's shooting 54% from the field, 47% from three, career high in points per game. He's awesome. And, you know, one thing the Mavs have done pretty well this year is prevent, in the games they've won at least, prevent role players from just stepping up and, and, and dropping 20-25. Now, Chris Middleton is obviously better than a role player. He's an all-star. But in a game like this, he can get so many points just off catching and shooting without having to create his own shot that if you let him do the catch and shoot role player thing, I think it's really going to hurt them. So you, I, I, I think even more important than stopping Giannis is you have to make Chris Middleton work for his points because he can get 30 points like in a Clay Thompson manner of like taking yeah. one dribble and just he, he's, he's hit you for 30. Yeah, I mean, he's an all-star in the league. I mean, I feel like he gets looked over by a lot of people of – hey, Giannis doesn't have a second star or all this stuff. I'm like, Chris Middleton's an all-star. A lot of that has to do with Giannis helping the team have a really good record and all that, but he does put up really good numbers. And I like how you mentioned you know, transition. This team loves to get out and run. And Dallas is going to have to get back on that. You know, just looking at Milwaukee's offensive breakdown of, you know, types of plays, transition is number one for them. 22% of their offense possessions Jeez. is in transition. They're going to get out and run. This is what they like to do. And so Dallas is definitely going to have to get back. And when you have a guy like Willie, this is something I enjoy about Willie. You can watch Willie at times that, you know, whether it's on offense or defense, whatever, you can just see him sprinting. I mean, I know he's seven feet, but I mean, there's so many times I feel like he's just beating people down the court and you've seen Luca hit him, you know, different times for that outlet pass over the top of defenders at times too. So you know, transition is going to be huge for Dallas against the Bucks. Yeah, and, you know, you have some depth. Now, missing Dorian and Maxie hurts, but, you know, Willie, like you said, James Johnson, I think, could get some Giannis minutes. A one do, like you said, maybe even Josh Green. Uh, who knows? I think eventually one day Tyler Bay could grow into the type of player yeah. that, could, that could keep up with Giannis. Long, you know, pretty strong, sturdy kind of guy. You know, obviously not ready for that yet. Giannis is like maybe the best basketball player in the – well, maybe the second best, who knows, depending on who you ask, basketball player in the world, or third behind Luka, of course. Um, okay, so let's talk about the Mavs a little bit. Um, four games in a row that they've won. They beat Charlotte. KP is back. Luka, the la his last five games, like you need to enshrine them and just like put them in a museum somewhere because they have just been – they've been chef's kiss – They've been the Italian emoji 
like the on, bo- the on both sides of the ball. Oh yeah, dude. And that's the thing about it is that like he's not taking possessions off on defense either. It's been really, really inspiring to watch. And so, um, you know, with us having not talked since after the Mavs beat the Magic, they've only played one game since then, but a whole lot of life has happened uh, and a whole lot of noteworthy things. So what is like the what is the top Mavs thing on your mind right now? It's defense. I mean, I I wondered so much about there's a difference when you talk, you know, you talk your stuff and then when you back up your talk. And the Mavericks talked their stuff going into training camp about defense, defense. We want to be, you know, top 15. We want to be top 10. This is all we're working on. We're working on defense more than offense. We heard all about, you know, we're working on defense. You know, they go out in the preseason. They give up some games to where, you know, you know, even a couple games into the season, Lakers put up 138 points. And I think, you know, Rick got asked about it, you know, whether it's training camp or right into the season after a game. It's like, all right, well, you talked about defense. What makes this season different than other seasons when you talk about defense? And, you know, we've seen a kind of evolving defensive side of this Mavericks team. And, you know, I, I tweeted this out the other night after they beat the Hornets. They held the Hornets to under 100 points. You know, I think it was 93 points that night. Last year, and this one, I think this is a telling stat of just where they're at right now. Last year, they held opponents to 100 points or less just 15 times. This year, in the first 10 games, they've already done it five times. And in those five times, they've won all five games. And so I, I just think that just shows you the emphasis, and it starts with your leader. I wrote a story recently. It's coming out in the next few days on Lucas. What leadership. a plug. What a plug. And, and, but I thought this was so cool. And even you mentioned this the other day, you tweeted out a stat. It was like, ever since Lucas stayed after the game and shot again, you know, after that Hornets loss, this is what the Mavericks have done. This is what Lucas done. He is setting the tone as a leader. And this is where I've learned too, of how Luca at the age of 21 can be a leader for a playoff team, for an elite team that he sets the tone when he stays after and shoots those shots like that. He's setting this tone for the rest of the team. Like, Hey, I'm the best player on the team. Everybody knows that, but I still need to get better. And it starts with me and defensively. That's the bring it full circle here. Defensively. That's the thing. And you saw Rick talk about this the other night against the Hornets. He had how many blocks do you have that game? Three or four, four and four blocks that game. And I mean that play where he chased Hayward around the screen, caught back up to him, blocked it, got it, came down the floor through the oop to Josh green. That's the stuff. Like a team can preach about defense all they want, but if your leader is not leading the way on that and saying, Hey, I'm going to get better defensively, then it's hard for the whole team to kind of rally together and get better as a team. And Lucas setting the tone. Rick said that Lucas said he's trying to get better defensively. I just, for me, that's the that's the number one storyline for me at over the first ten games is how they're backing up their talk about wanting to be better defensively and they're doing it. Yeah, and going back to that night where he stayed forty minutes or whatever after the game, putting up jump shots, there is nothing that media people love more than symbolic actions like that, right? Like it's the lowest yeah. hanging fruit possible, but. He's delivered on it since then. Like since then, in five games, he's shooting thirty-six percent from three. Since then, in the five games that he's played, they're undefeated. Like, so it's one thing to just like do something, you know, like post some really inspiring Instagram picture or stay after a game for half an hour, putting up jump shots. Like, you can do a bunch of like symbolic, leadery, inspirational sort of things, 
But if you don't deliver on it yourself, then it doesn't matter. It's going to look like hollow actions and it can really sort of backfire because then it's like, yeah, you just like attention, you know? Yeah. Um, but Luke has delivered. And now will he shoot 36% on threes the rest of the year? Like that would be rad, but you know, I, maybe he'll shoot better than that, Isaac, but maybe he'll shoot worse. And so that's why whenever I shared that thing that you were talking about, I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe the fact that they're undefeated in, in games Lucas played, maybe the fact that he's averaging 30, 12, and 10, like maybe it's all a coincidence since that night, but but maybe it's not. You know, maybe maybe Luca really is taking it to another level in the last five games since then. Maybe he is digging deeper. Maybe he's trying harder. Maybe he figured something out whenever he was shooting in the gym. Maybe he just needed to clear his mind. Like, I have no idea. But you can see a noticeable difference in the team's energy level since then. And, you know, there have been other changes made since that night. For example, you know, they, they rolled out the same starting five against Miami the next game, I think. But, uh, you know, shortly after that, Willie Cauley-Stein became a starter. Maxie was a starter. Well, of course, now Maxie's out. And so Tim Hardaway Jr. is back in the starting lineup. But he's played much better since those first four games. Everyone seems to just be a little more dialed in. And even though some guys still aren't maybe shooting it great, they're pouring out all their energy on defense like there's just a different a different attitude about this team uh much more aggressive much more like stick to itiveness which is what yeah. Rick Carlisle calls it uh just when things aren't going your way they're still fighting you know there were times in the Houston game and in the Charlotte game too where Dallas would get up double digits like against Charlotte they were up 22 and then boom next thing you know Charlotte is back within nine like those are kind of turning point moments and again we love the low-hanging fruit. Like, whenever you're up 22 and all of a sudden you're only up nine and you've committed five turnovers in the last three minutes and coach calls timeout, like, that's a turning point. And in th- throughout, really, this last couple weeks, every single turning point moment in a game, they've responded to well. You know, and after getting just undressed by the Lakers on national TV, they beat the Clippers by 50. And so there is, like, there is a bounce-backness in this team yeah. Uh, that maybe you know Mavs teams of the past haven't quite had where when the going gets tough like the tough get going and the Mavs have been in a lot of these games this season the tougher team and now maybe in a week this is going to look stupid because maybe the Bucks will beat the Mavs by 40 tonight and we'll all forget about all the fun we just had but like for now at this point in the season every single time they've been faced with the challenge for the most part they've responded really well yeah I mean in challenges on a bigger scale too. I mean, I, I think for the Mavericks, if you would have told me that in the first 10 games, you know, Christoph's Porzingis would play one game. They would go through, they would have a game postponed. They would have, you know, players, you know, in health and safety protocols and being out for multiple games and, you know, the team not practicing. You would have told me that the practice facility was shut down. You would have told me all this stuff, but saying Dallas still walked out of that six and four, they're still, I mean, they're firing on all cylinders right now. I, I think that's another way of looking at it. I'm like, they've had a kind of eventful first 10 games. I mean, even, I mean, just take all the health and safety protocols out of it. I mean, you listen to a lot of, I, I love to listen to some national uh, basketball podcasts and just to hear national perspectives of the Mavericks. And I mean, you hear a lot of people, they're just like dismissing the Mavericks right now, just because they're like, Hey, we just got to wait till Porzingis gets back because they all know that Porzingis is the second best player on the team. He's a huge part of this team and the success of this team and the ceiling of this team. So 
this, you know, that's another thing that we've just been waiting to see what this team looks like with Porzingis and they have to adjust to that. And that, I mean, Porzingis just raises the ceiling of this team so much higher. So yeah, they've responded well. I thought, I mean, I think that they, they have just fought through everything. I just, yeah, for where they're at after the first, everything that's happened over the first three or four weeks of the season for the Mavericks and being without people like KP and stuff, I think they're sitting at a good spot. And to add even a little more adversity on top, just to sprinkle some seasoning, Dwight Powell came into the year as the starting center, and he's still trying to get back to the player that he was. Yeah, Willie Cauley-Stein in the first five, six games really, frankly, did not look very good. Like He fouled out against the Bulls in 12 minutes. Uh, Luca, the jump shot, well chronicled. KP, out. Tim Hardaway Jr. got off to the same you know, poor shooting start that he did last season. Like Through the first six games when Dallas was 2-4, and four, Almost every single player was not playing very well, you know. Yeah. And then in the last four games, they've just totally turned it around. So it's it's been really, really interesting to see really riveting television. I know that they would have liked to, you know, have been playing at this level and with this kind of intensity on opening night, a game that they definitely could have won against Phoenix, against the Bulls, a game that they definitely could have won, even though Luka and KP were both out. And then two against the Lakers. Maybe you're not beating L.A. anyway. But you're definitely not going to give up 35 second chance points and score zero, you know, if yeah. you bring that same kind of uh, sort of oomph to both sides of the ball. But you can't change anything that's already done. You know, uh, you can only kind of the the one thing you can control is your effort, and that's that only influences things that are moving forward. And so uh, that will come into play tonight. Um, man, I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of other things that we could talk about, but. Uh, I, I just I, I want to ask you. Okay. Can I ask you about just KP? Like what? I was going to ask you, you about KP too. So go ahead. <laughs> well, just like what was your takeaway from KP's first game back? Not just about KP, which I I thought he looked great and and fine. But what what was your takeaway from like just the team and just the offense with KP in there and like what you noticed that maybe they didn't have before KP was back? Uh, a couple things. So the first one was his second shot of the game. So he missed his first one. He missed his first shot. It was kind of just a wide-open shot. He missed it. Next time down the floor or two times down later or whatever, Luca was bringing the ball up, and Terry Rozier was hounding him the way that guys have done this season, just pick him up full Everybody. court. Yeah, make him waste some time, make him waste some energy. And Luca crossed half court and just kind of like flipped it over to KP, and he shot a 30-footer, and it went in. And I was like, man, there was nothing – like special about that play except for how easy it was like it was just so easy for them to score three points nobody had to do anything like Luca just had to walk the ball up the floor and KP just had to stand there and they scored three and uh that's really good because you know especially when things have been going a little more more tough for them they've just had to try so hard Lucas had to try so hard to create stuff but like that was the easiest thing they'll do all season um, and, and so that was a big one. And then the other one was in the third quarter. Um, you know, the Mavs were up quite a bit at this point. And, and shortly after KP hit these back-to-back threes, I feel like they kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit. But, um, you know, the Hornets were sending guys at Luka and, and Luka's facing all this pressure. KP sets a screen and just kind of like fades over into the corner, sort of like out of everybody's peripheral vision. And is just standing there wide open and they flip him the ball and he hits back-to-back threes in the corner. And it's just like, my God, the whole thing, you know, he made some really spectacular plays. The step back three was awesome. The drive baseline where he finished like a shooting guard at the rim was awesome. But 
his greatest sort of impact on this team is just making things easy for everybody else because he just stands there and is either going to be open and take an easy jump shot or he won't be open and it'll be easy for somebody to drive to the rim. And so just like just the collective sort of like, I don't know, it just everyone has to just try less. Like there's less sweat, there's less blood, there's less tears, maybe more for the defense. But like whenever whenever he's on the floor, everything is just like 15% easier for everybody else. And that's the thing that I noticed right away. What about you? Yeah. No, I mean, that that's the thing. You know, when you put KP in there at 7-3, you don't just get like a paint protector, but you get an elite shooter from the outside. And, I mean, KP can pull up from 28 feet. And, yeah, I mean, th- those <laughs> threes in the corner, I'm like just the luxury of having Luca being able to do his thing and to have – Kristaps Porzingis just chilling in the corner, been able to hit two knockdown threes like that. It's just, there's so much space. It just gives so much. It, it's like uh stepbrothers. It's like, there's so much room for activities. And it's like, I feel like that's, you know, Luca. And when, when KP's on the floor, it just opens up the floor that much more, you know, just hearing KP after the game, you know, he's like, Hey, I was just trying to, I was trying to get up shots, but you know, because they had a minute limit limit out there. And I was like cracking up about that. Uh, I think things will slow down a little bit for him as he, you know, gets out of the minute restriction and he just flows a little bit more uh, into the game and rotation. But yeah, I'm excited just to see what the offense looks like, you know, moving forward. Everything's been so much about defense, but you know, just a couple numbers from the offense so far. You know, last year they were 14th. Mavericks are 14th in the league in assists per games as a team. Right now they're sitting at 20, 25th in the league, and. But that's something I think is directly associated with with KP. When KP's out there, opens up the floor a little bit more, adds a little bit more assist opportunities for for Luca. I, I it just opens up the offense so much more. And you know, KP helps with the three point percentage. You look at Dallas last year; they were second in the league in three point attempts, tenth in the league in three point percentage. This year, so far, they're fifth in three point attempts. They're always going to shoot a lot of threes but they're 22nd in the league in three-point percentage. So that's like another area that because of the spacing KP brings, because you can put KP on the block or could put KP catching the ball there at the elbow or something, it just opens up open three-pointers that can help the percentage. There's just so much. He just – so many different offensive numbers. It, it just unlocks so much more of the offense when KP's out there. That's the best way I can – yeah, they don't have to be a top 10 three-point shooting team necessarily because they take so many of them that yeah. they're going to they're going to overcome, you know, just based off volume, but you don't want to be bottom 10, you know. <laughs> yes. I mean, just ideally league average would be pretty sweet. And I feel like, I mean, I don't I don't I haven't looked at their like game by game stats or anything, but in the last 5 or so games, their percentage has to have climbed a bit, right? Yeah. And and I would I would assume their assists have too because I know like th- through the first three or four games of the year I think they might have even been dead last in assists per game and assist percentage like they're just it was a lot of a lot of isolation stuff but yeah with KP back I think you're going to see the ball stick much less just because you're going to have guys scrambling on the other team so much that you're just going to have people be wide open um, so yeah it is it is interesting but it is just one game that we're talking about and and we'll see him a little more. So tonight it's Mavs Bucks. Sunday it's uh, Revenge Tour Part Two when the Mavs play the Bulls, and then Monday it's a back-to-back. They're going to Tampa, Florida, to take on the Toronto Raptors, which is just really weird. But 
Um, if you look at the Raptors' record, you're going to think, man, they suck. But they, I think they're 2-8, and eight, but they've blown a double-digit lead in six of those games. So mm-hmm. they're 1,000% not as bad as their record is. Um, but they are kind of still trying to sort of figure it out a little bit. They might, e- I, they played last night, so I don't think they're two and eight anymore. I don't, I don't remember if they won or not, but, um, it's three tough games coming up for Dallas. You got maybe the best team in the league or the best team in the East or however you want to look at them. You got a team that just beat you kind of, uh, Zach Levine just did every, it, everything was easy for him that night. And then you got to go second night of a back-to-back. Who knows if Porzingis will play or if Luka will play or whatever. I have no idea. Uh, are the five guys that are out for you right now who are like five of your top eight rotation players, are they going to be joining you anytime soon? Uh, we have no idea. So, I mean, between now and the next time that you and I talk, which at earliest would be on Monday, like, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, do you have do you have any idea? Like, what what like how different will the world be in you know seventy two hours? I, man, I don't know. I I think you know. I think the biggest thing looming over the team is what kind of what you said. Is like when do when do the five guys come back? We you know you've seen we've seen other teams across the league over the past few weeks. You know, walk through this whole situation of players being out, health and safety protocols and stuff. For Dallas, for some other teams, it's like the end of the roster, guys. For Dallas, these are five key rotation pieces. Like all five of these guys are going to be playing solid rotation minutes, and you know, and on the flip side, you also are getting looks at guys like Wes Iwandu. You're getting, you know, the Josh Green game on Wednesday night, to where we, you know, seen him go out there and uh, put put in some good minutes and hustle and saw some good plays from him. So on the flip side, you're like, all right. These, these guys wouldn't have the opportunity if this didn't happen. But, you know, that's the – I'm confident about Sunday. I think they get the revenge against Chicago kind of like they did against Charlotte. Ooh, making just, the guarantee. Woo, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Now, I do – I have been reading about marketing. I don't know at what point marketing does come back, but uh, I do like marketing even though he had a down year last year. But Yeah, he's, I think been, he's Bucks, been out for a while for them. Is he in health and safety protocols or is he just hurt? Because he hasn't played in a long time. I thought he was hurt, but I could be okay. wrong. Okay. I'm confused about all that now. Yeah, because they had, remember, whenever the Mavs played the Bulls last week, it feels like a lifetime ago, oh, my God, the Bulls were down week. like three or four players that were in health and safety protocols, but it was more like Chandler Hutchison, Thomas Sadoransky, like guys who aren't playing, yeah. you know, really aren't starting. Yeah. But, no, I, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I'm just watching Friday night. Tonight against the Bucks, ESPN, you know, Mavs have won four straight. They've missed, you know, these guys the past couple, you know, well, last game, uh, Wednesday. And, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a time too. I think the Mavericks know, know this, that it's a time to kind of put the league on notice a little bit too. Uh, you know, if they go out and they beat the Bucks without those five guys, or they play a really tight game, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game. You know, this is the matchup of the two biggest international stars in the game. This is going to be, I mean, two of the best players in the game, two top five players in the game and Giannis and Luca. So a lot of people are going to be watching this game. The Mavericks come out and they beat the bucks. Everybody nationally is going to be all about the Mavericks again. It's like, Oh, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. And so, I mean, and that's fun. It's exciting. But even if they don't, there's still really good reasons why this team should not win against the bucks too, because they are missing those five guys and and all of that but i'm excited for it It should be fun yeah the, the the best thing is whenever you just have built-in excuses like oh man yeah for sure down so many guys <laughs> but if they win if the mavs win it's like oh, dude 
championship <laughs> team right here. Like it's time. Let's go. One hundred percent. All right. Any 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 final words? Final thoughts? Any random random crap you want to get off your mind uh, before we get out of here? Um. Okay. I'll I'll switch it on you and ask you a quick question. It doesn't have to. We don't have to do a full breakdown on it. But give me the bench player, not a typical star. The bench player who has stood out to you the most over the past two weeks. Oh man. Um in any way possible. For me, I'll go first. For me, it's just it's still been James Johnson. I I just love the minutes that he gives the team. I love the playmaking he gives the team. I love, you know, he can handle the ball. I love the play. I I think honestly one of my favorite plays of the whole season so far has been the, you know, Luca hands it off to Boban at the kind of the top of the key, kind of near a three-point line. Boban like palms it one-handed. Luca goes around him. He dishes it to Luca in the paint. Luca hits a cutting James Johnson who does like a reverse one-handed layup. I just love everything about that play. But I just I love the minutes that James Johnson gives the team. You know, it's a steady 15 to 20 minutes off the bench, and I've just been really impressed with it. I would say that my favorite thing about James Johnson is that his minutes are not steady. Like literally anything can happen. That oh, putback yeah. dunk he had against the Hornets was awesome. And then yes. I think like the next play he tried to throw like an eighty foot outlet pass and it only went like sixty <laughs> feet and they intercepted it. Like there's just Well like, him and him and Willie have a little bit of the same stuff in them as <laughs> just far like, as you have no idea what's gonna it's like it's really entertaining. You know, well, I think the collective part of it, that's what I'm, I'm trying the collective part. If you're saying there's going to be eight James Johnson plays, I think six out of eight of them are going to be amazing. The other two, the ball could end up in the concourse, but <laughs> that's, that's my only thing. It's still fun. And I like I like his minutes. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's great. I think the guy that's kind of stood out to me, and this is recency bias, but just Wes will his minutes have just been awesome. He is an agent of chaos. Um, much in the same way as James Johnson is, but all of his like anything can happenness is on defense. He just mm. flies around. It's it's really really impressive to watch. Skin compared him to uh, kind of like rookie year Josh Howard, just like this boundless bu- bundle of energy and just like just like a wrecking ball chaos. Even though he weighs like 150 pounds, like he's this you know slight guy, but he's tall, long, athletic, wiry, aggressive, like in your face, running the floor. Uh, just really really fun to watch. And him and Josh Green are kind of two peas in a pod. Like, they rotate minutes, and they're going to go 150 miles an hour whenever they're on the floor. And against Charlotte, they both got in the game at the same time, and that was when it was really <laughs> fun because it was just like limbs just everywhere. Just, yeah. So uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty fun. So I've I've enjoyed I've enjoyed watching the Mavs bench this year. It's it's not the like for the last ten years the Mavs bench has been this really well oiled like polished offense jj Barea, devin harris dirk Nowitzki, like real veteran savvy and this year it's just like everyone is on adderall like we're just gonna just run our rah! you know i don't know it's just it's 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 really uh it's it's like going to like a you know seven-year-old birthday party where everyone had like their first soda and yep. you're just like mountain for everyone fun you know so uh yeah good stuff isaac all right, well, this is a fun podcast. We'll see if the Mavs can beat the Bucks tonight and if they can stomp out the Bulls and exact revenge, which Isaac guaranteed they would a few minutes ago. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to uh, rate, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Like Isaac said, he has an article about Luka Doncic's evolution as a leader that is out on Mavs.com now or will be soon, uh, depending on when you hear this episode. 
And uh, you can follow him on Isaac L. Harris on Twitter. You can hear him on Mavs Daily, read him on Mavs.com, hear him on Locked on Mavs. I'm Bobby Corella. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby Corella. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we will see you next week. <laughs>